It's from Luke chapter 23, one verse of scripture, verse 46, and it's the title that I've given this sharing this evening. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. A phenomenally powerful verse of scripture with a lot more in it than I think that many of us have ever realized. Let's start about verse 44 in Luke chapter 23. It was about the sixth hour. There was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. So we're technically living in a time of darkness as well in our generation. A time when evil is being touted as good. A time when God is being mocked as was happening here. The mockers of God were all around the cross. Here's the greatest event in the history of, of humankind. And all that, is, all that is there are friends that are more or less far off and mockers that are very close. And at the foot of the cross, there are people just throwing dice and gambling for the garments of the man Jesus Christ. It, it seems like it couldn't have gotten any worse in the earth than what, than what it was. Then the sun was darkened. The veil of the temple was torn in two. It, it, was, it, was a, it was a very, very dark moment in history, a very fearful hour on the earth. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. Now, before I get into this verse, I want to go ahead into the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. Talking about Christ, the writer of Hebrews says... We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so we ask the question tonight, so, so what do his final words have to do with our weaknesses? Why would this be significant to us today? Why would these, this last thing that... Jesus said on the cross when he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. In other words, I've gone as far as I can go. There was a covenant that we made before the creation of the world. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit entered into a covenant. That covenant was to come down and to redeem humankind, to do something for man that man could not do for himself. In the Old Testament, God gave promises to the descendants of Adam as it was to see, because the 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 prevailing thought in fallen humanity is that I can be as God is without God. And I can become a, a judge of what is good and what is evil in myself. I can be godly without the strength of God. And so what happened was he gave a series of laws for those that he had selected on the earth to follow. And it, it, it was a schoolmaster, Paul the Apostle said. It, the, the laws that God gave just taught humankind that we don't have the power to be godly in ourselves. We, we, it's not within us. It's not resident within us to be good. And so a, a, a system of religion and rigidity developed where there was a, literally a river of blood flowing from the temple as, as people tried to be good. And every time they failed, they had to bring in another sacrifice into the temple and sacrifice another lamb or a goat or a turtle dove and, and try to be clean again and try in their own strength to go out and be godly and to, to live a godly life and to, to be, in a sense, the people that were promised through Abraham that they would be blessed and be a blessing on the earth. And you imagine how humiliating it must have been for the people of that time, especially the honest, sincere people who really wanted to walk with God. How discouraging it must have been 
to, to, to come to the temple and feel cleansed and then go out and, and just fail again, fail in the family, fail in the home, fail in the thought life, fail in deed, fail in word, fail in action, and, and coming back week after week after week, feeling like such a failure and utterly getting to the point of saying, this whole thing is hopeless. I, I can't do this. It's not possible. Jesus himself said in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 16, He said to his disciples these words in verses 24 and 25. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, in the context of what we're speaking about, these last words of Jesus on the cross, does it not imply that taking up the cross of Christ will bring you and I to a place where Ultimately, at some point, our lives need to be lost. If we try to save ourselves, if we try to hold to the self-view that I can do this with natural strength, like if I read more, I can do this. If I pray more, I can do this. If, if, I, if I just try to speak better, I can do this. There, there is a point that we get to, if we are taking up the cross of Christ, that we will actually get to our sa- where our Savior got to where we get to the point of of understanding that we can't finish what we're given to do without the help of another. Our Savior himself came to a point where he had done all he could do on the earth, on the cross. It was over. It was now up to God the Father to raise him from the dead. Do you understand? He couldn't raise himself. He He had fulfilled his part of the covenant as it was. He'd come to the cross The wrath of God for the sins of humanity were poured out on the Son of God. He was about to go down into the grave, but he had to commit the fulfillment, in a sense, of his ministry to his Father. It would have to be God, the Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit that would raise him from the dead. And so doesn't it stand to reason, if I'm going to take up my cross and I'm going to begin to follow Jesus... If I seek to save who I am, I'm going to lose what God has for me. That's, what I, that's how I interpret the scripture. If I seek to save my self-image, if I seek to save my, my natural strength, if I, if I seek to finish this journey with, with a lot of me and just a little bit of Jesus in it, I'm going to end up losing what God has for me. If I seek to save my life, I will lose what I could have had in God. But if I'm willing to take up that cross follow him to the end, is it not reasonable to assume, according to the scriptures, that I will end up in the same place that he ended up in, where I just end up crying out, into thy hands, O God, I commit my spirit. Lord, if I'm going to be victorious in this walk, in this life that you have for me, it's going to have to be you that gives me the victory. It takes some of us a long time to get there. A lot of people in their natural strength and their natural zeal, their natural wisdom, they take up the cross of Christ and down the road they go. And some people fall on their face right away. They recognize, I can't do this. There are people tonight listening to me, you you knew out of the gate you couldn't do this. And then there's others that you thought you could do it. You took up your cross and you said, I'm gonna gonna live for the will of God and I'm gonna serve God and I'm gonna preach the gospel and I'm gonna be a testimony, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna, and you you were gonna do all these things, weren't you? And you got quite a ways to take a set of spiritual binoculars to see how far you got down the road. I know what I'm talking about because I speak from experience. But eventually every man, every woman, everybody born goes down into a pile of dust and this prayer comes out of their lips. 
God, if anything's going to come out of my life, it's going to be half to you. It's going to have to be you that does it. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. I, I, I give all I have into your hands. If I'm going to live, if I'm going to move, if I'm going to breathe, if I'm going to accomplish anything, if any good's going to come through my life, if miracles are going to start to abound, if I'm going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to be healed, if my voice is going to start having influence and authority in society, it's not going to be me. It's going to be you. You see, because I'm a dead man without you. I can't bring myself into the life and into that place that only God can bring me into. And I don't know about you, but in the last season, I've been praying, Father, into thy hands, I commit my spirit. I can't go any farther without you. I can't do more without you. There's a, there's a greater need now in society than there ever has been throughout history. Our culture has tipped, it's turned dark there has to be an explosion of grace again. There has to be a, a, an unveiling again of the power of God. There's got to be something of, of the testimony and the witness of Christ again in this generation. But it's not going to come through might. It's not going to come through power. It's not going to come through intellect. It's not going to come through learning. It's not going to come through another fancy preacher or the raising of another denomination. It's going to come through ordinary men and women who take the time to pray and say, Father, into thy hands, I commit my spirit. I'm following my Savior. I've taken up my cross and I've come to the place where I can't go any farther without your power. If, if you don't come, my ministry is over. If you don't come, everything I've accomplished up to this day, and a lot of it might be good, but it can't go any farther without the power of God. And that's where the church is today in America, at least. I don't know about the rest of the world, but in America, that's where we are. We can't do this without the Spirit of God. And forgive us for having tried for so long. We've, we've walked, we've elevated personalities, we've, we, have, we have exalted learning, we've done all these things, we've come up with strategies, and we are now flat on our faces. Our crosses have taken us to our own Calvary as it is. Yes, we're redeemed, yes, heaven is our home. Yes, we belong to God, but the reality is now that unless God raises us up out of the ash heap that we find ourselves in today, there will be no going forward. There will be no victory. There will be no miracles. There will be only darkness swallowing this generation. But there is still a cry. And the scripture tells us, it's interesting in Luke, that when the centurion saw these things, he said, surely this was a righteous man. Elsewhere it says, he said, surely this was the son of God. He, there was something in that cry that unleashed the power of God. Into your hands, Father. Into your hands. I trust you. I trust you with my life. I trust you with my death. I trust you with my, my resurrection. I trust you, God, that if I will put it all in your hands, even though it looks like total defeat at the moment, if I put it all into your hands, you are the one who's able to raise it from the dead and bring it back to life and cause your name to be glorified in the earth one more time. And didn't God do that on the third day? And we are so wise as the people of God if we just get to the point of saying, I can't do this. Oh, thank God when we finally get there. God, it's almost like I can see him wiping his brow and say, I'm so thankful you finally said it. It's taken so long for you to figure out that you can't raise yourself from this powerlessness. You can't raise yourself from the power of death. You can't become everything that I've destined you to be unless you put your all into my hands. 
You die to yourself. You die to your dreams, your plans, your ambitions, your sense of self-worth and your strength. You let it all go and you let me raise you from the dead and I will make you into a new creation. The old things in your life will pass away and behold, all things will become new. Romans chapter eight, beginning at verse 11 says this. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. In other words, Paul's saying, thank God we don't have to do this in our own strength. Let's just keep it simple. Let's not make it complicated. We don't do this. Learning is a good thing, but we will not do this through learning alone. We, we have to know what we believe, obviously. But only God can put, set that alight. Only God can bring that to life. Only God can cause it to bear life with inside of us. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The greatest prayer that you or I could pray in our generation now is, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. My God, I give you my future. I give you my life. If I'm going to live, you will cause me to live. If I'm going to glorify you, you will give me the power to glorify you. If my purpose on the earth will be completed, it will be completed through my death, not through my life. Through me coming to the end of myself and you becoming everything in my life. It takes forever, it seems, to get to this understanding of where life really is. But Moses found it at 80 when he had come to nothing and God had to become everything. Saul's army found it when after all of their spiritual warfare training and polishing all of their armor, they suddenly faced a, an army in a darkness that no man had the courage to fight. And when they finally came to the end of themselves as it was, God suddenly infuses his ways into the battle through a teenage boy with no armor with nothing in his heart but a trust in God. And he, he gives them a, a sermon illustration of, of where his power really is. It's not in might. It's not, in, it's not by human intellect. It's not by human strength. It's by the spirit of almighty God. Esther is called to change the laws of a nation in a season where she feels unlovely and unwanted. She, she's, it seems maybe to her like her relationship with the king has come to an end. It, the love... Her testimony really to Mordecai is the love has died between us. You see, he's not, he doesn't desire me anymore. I haven't even been called into his presence for 30 days. I, I wish you would have called me to do this when our, at least from her perspective, when our love relationship was just vibrant and alive and I knew he would have given me what I asked for. But now you're asking me to go into his presence when I feel like it's, it's going to be, it could potentially be my death. What she didn't know is what she feared could be her death became the life for thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And actually changed the laws of Medo-Persia. And she became a co-ruler with her husband, which was unheard of in that particular day in that culture. 120 people who, a lot of whom had made promises in their heart of, 
whether they had done it verbally or they just did it inside, talking about, I'm going to live for God, I'm going to serve you, Jesus, I'm going to go with you, I'm going to fight with you, I'm going to die with you, and yet they all ran. And they all came to the end of themselves. And when they went into that upper room, I know what they prayed, because in my heart I've been there. And here's what they prayed. If anything's going to happen, God, it's going to have to be you, because I've come to the end. And so into your hands... I commit my spirit. This is the most powerful prayer that the church of this age could now begin to pray. Jesus Christ, into your hands, we commit our lives. Into your hands, we commit our future. If we we will amount to anything, it's because you chose to raise us out of our present death and bring us to life. And what looks to be a defeat is actually the pathway to victory. There's so few people actually can understand this. We, we spend so much time trying to prop up the old man, the old nature. So much time trying to build ourselves up that we forget that what looks to be a defeat is the doorway to victory. When we come to the end of ourselves, that is the beginning of God. That's the beginning of God's strength. That's the beginning of God's power. The scripture bears witness to it all the way from Genesis right through to Revelation. It's not hidden. It's just there. It's just hard for us to see it because we spend so much time trying to be strong, trying to be smart, trying to, trying to in a sense, uh, promote the kingdom of God in the earth, only to leave our whole society bankrupt. The gamblers are now at the foot of the cross. The mockers are are mocking the same. We are in exactly the same place that Jesus Christ was 2,000 years ago. We're being mocked, marginalized, ridiculed. If he's your God, have him come down and do something for you. Have him come down and save you. If he's your God, et cetera, et cetera. But in the midst of all of this that's going on at the cross, there's some words, and it says he breathed his last. He came to the place of just saying, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And with that statement was launched a life and ministry that has transformed the world, broke the back of hell and darkness, took away the penalty and power of sin, ripped the the veil of the temple from the top to the bottom made a a way for access to God through the death of a man who trusted that his father could raise him from the dead. And so, you see, now it makes sense. If we seek to save ourselves, our lives will lose it. If we seek to keep ourselves alive, we'll lose what God has for us. May I put it that way? But if by God's grace, you and I get to the place where we just say, God, I just, I can't do this without you. I don't want to do this without you. And I'm not going to do this without you. I commit myself into your hands. You do this first by just admitting, just admit your condition. Now, most everybody online listening has no problem with this. I know that. You say, Pastor, you're, who gave you my address? Who told you I'd be listening online tonight? It's like you're living in my living room. You know exactly where I'm at. You see, if, if you are almost spiritually dead, you're in a better place than the man who thinks he's alive. Do you understand? You're at the place where God can now take your life over. 
and do through you things that you could never hope to do in yourself. I mean, think about it. The 120 failures came out of that upper room. <laughs> My goodness. And all they were doing is speaking in known languages about the things that God had done and was about to do. And 3,000 people bent their knee in one day. Amazing when you begin to see it. That, that when we come to the end of ourselves, the, the doorway to God's life and power begins to open. It's so hard to understand this. It's almost as if you can't grasp it with the natural mind. It's something that God has to reveal to the heart. The best thing we can do in this church age is die so we can live. Is give up our plans. God's mercy reached down and pulled the plug on everything for the last 18 months all over the world. It was his mercy so we could stop this endless parade of, of patting ourselves on the back and letting our whole generation die that it could finally come to an end and we, we, we might have the sense to realize that we have come to the end of our influence, our authority, of what's going to happen in, in our societies and get to the point of just saying, God Almighty, if, if, if we're going to amount to something now, it's going to have to be all you. And so we just bring our nothingness to you. We, we've come to the end and we just say, into your hands, we commit our future. It's going to have to be you, Lord. And that's why we're encouraging you at home to stay and pray. Stay and pray. Give your all to Jesus. Give him your future. Give him your hopelessness. Be honest with God. But the best thing you can ever do is say, Lord, I've just come to the end. And if I'm going to live, it's going to be you that raises me from the dead. If my life is going to have an influence, it's going to be because you choose to give me the power to live outside of the confines that would have me kept in this grave for the rest of my life. Admit you need a savior. Believe that God loves you and sent his son to pay the price for your sins and then confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is your Lord and give everything you have and everything you are and everything you will be to him.